I feel like I'm more trained for a 200 than a hundred because you know, in a 200 mile race, you get to sleep. This one's radio episode 984 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, if you need a little help finishing out the year strong, getting your running back on track if things have gotten off track, or maybe maybe really uh, you know doing the work now, laying the groundwork, laying the foundation to get yourself set for a banger year in 2022. Hopefully, all things all things willing, uh, you know. Hopefully, next year will be a great year running. If and if you need some help putting yourself in position for that, or, or you just don't want to do the work yourself. You'd rather just have somebody tell you what to do. I know a guy because I am a guy. Uh, coaching options are available. The new the new option is coming. The, the concierge, I think, is what we're going to go with the official name of it. The concierge level is is coming soon. we got some spots at the one-to-one. We may have one or two at the Coterie. We can probably squeeze you in if you're so inclined. So uh, whichever option is right for you as far as budget goes, as far as what kind of bells and whistles and, and all the add-ons that you want, um, the options are there. The options are there. So head over to disruns.com slash coaching if you're interested and kind of get a little feel for what's going on. Check out the, the pages for each level um, to kind of get the specifics. Obviously, if you have any questions, give me a shout. And uh, if you if you want to, to saddle up, to join forces... Let me know. We can make it happen. So, disruns.com slash coaching is the place to get it started. Any questions, let me know. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, guys. I uh, met today's guest at an aid station at something like 3.30 in the morning not too long ago. So, safe to say that conversation, whatever it was, wasn't exactly, uh, you know, quote-unquote podcasting gold. So, with a little luck, today's chat will be uh, a little bit more exciting, certainly more in-depth than just what do you need? What's in your bottles? What can I get you? Uh, and then, you know, kicking us out and getting us on our way. So clearly she's, a, well, I would imagine, probably clearly she's an ultra runner, but she definitely is an ultra runner. Uh, and is she's currently in the midst of a, a pretty big challenge with another running friend, um, which certainly we will get into, you know, at some point today. Or leave, you, leave you a little cliffhanger right now, but we will definitely get into it. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, dive in today with Miss Celia Eicheldinger. So Celia, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Catching up again, again, like when I'm actually awake now and not, uh, not you know, whatever I was at that point, I guess I 10 miles deep, but I was 30 miles deep and, and Anna was, you know, 90 miles deep. So, uh, yeah, no, you guys looked pretty good, actually. I was impressed. Well, well, thank you. It was, uh, it was an adventure and we, we survived it. So, which is, which is, I guess, you know, the, the, the starting point of success, but, uh, guys, if you enjoy today's conversation, kind of want to follow along with Celia and some of the things she's got going on, uh, her Instagram handle is her, her last name, then her first name. So it's Eicheldinger Celia, Celia, and that's E I C H E L D I N G E R C E L I A. Good luck with that. We'll have it linked up in the show notes as always. Uh, and, and the the kind of adventure that she's on, there's an Instagram handle there as well if you want to follow along with that one, um, which again, we'll talk about a bit more. But here's a little another little tease of what it's talking about at AT Run Venture Project. So maybe like Appalachian Trail, maybe, you know, Appalachian yeah. Trail Run Venture Project. Um, and again, disruns.com slash 984. As always, we'll have everything linked up as per usual. So Celia, the way we always start off each episode of the show with a with a simple question. Some folks, it's an easy one to answer. Some some people, it's a little bit more of a struggle because, quite frankly, there's a lot of good answers out there. But it's just simply to ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Yeah, that's a very hard one, honestly. And um, since you gave me that ahead of time, I, I did spend a little bit of time thinking about it. And I think the best answer that I can give you, and gosh, you're going to be like, oh, whatever, Celia. But it's... <laughs> It's the race I am currently in with the exception of a 5K or a 10K, (laughs) (laughs) in which I am so incredibly miserable the entire time. (laughs) Spoken like a true ultra runner, like, don't give me that 5K nonsense. Like, that's no no way. That is way too much pain for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that that works. It's, 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 it. 
on the one hand, it, it does. I, I you know I, I can I don't want to say that it's a cop out answer, but but it, it maybe kind of sort of is. But at the same time, again, I mean, there's so many great options out there, and especially you start getting into ultra ultra running and trail running, and and, and it's just like everything is you know like 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 there's so many good options. So so I'll take it. Um, and and I guess maybe that kind of then leads into how did you get into running? Is it something that's that's always been kind of a part of your life or, or something a little more recently? Like where'd you, where'd you kind of get your, get your start in the sport? Yeah. So, um, when I was 13, I decided I wanted to be a runner and, um, I don't know why I really don't, but, and, and I wasn't good at it. I, I, I was, I was always athletic in some sense. My mom signed me up for ballet when I was four. So I, um, I danced a lot. I did gymnastics. Um, so being athletic at some level was always a part of my life. But at 13, I was like, I'm going to figure this running thing out. And I, I lived in the country on this dirt road and to get out of the dirt road was a half mile uphill Mm. run, climb, whatever you want to call it. And I said, I'm going to run cross country in the fall. I need to get ready for this. So over the summer, every single day, I went out my door and I tackled that half mile uphill <laughs> run. And, you know, lo and behold, by the end of the summer, I was able to run the entire half mile uphill. And I thought, okay, cool. I'm ready for cross country. Now, like little did I know that that was half a mile, of course, then, you know, the other <laughs> half mile back. So it was a full mile, right? That cross country was going to be a little more intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but after, you know, being able to do that, I felt ready for cross country. So that's really where my running career started, I, um, I didn't really stop after mm-hmm. that. I, I loved it so much. I ran cross country in the fall. I, I played volleyball and did some other sports in the winter, but I ran anyway through mm-hmm. that. And then in the spring, I ran the mile and the two mile in track. And that's kind of how it went and really never stopped. I guess, I, I mean, out of high school, I stopped you know, running for a team. I didn't run in college. I just ran for fun, but I guess you could say, yeah, it's always been a part of me. Gotcha. Was, was there an, an influence at 13 to, to get you start running as, as far as friends or family, or, or was it just kind of a, a harebrained idea that, that, uh, you, you went with and it stuck? I'm a pretty stubborn individual <laughs> and, um, it was just a harebrained idea. <laughs> gotcha. I, just, gotcha. I just couldn't stop until I got that hill <laughs> mm-hmm. well and I, and I suppose being stubborn kind of p- pays off when you get into to you know any, i mean really any type of distance like you said i mean even even at a 5k if you're gonna if you're gonna do it you're gonna push and and, and uh suffer and, and struggle and you know get there and it's so a stubbornness helps there and of course you're going longer distance stuff I, I you know that keep going drive is is uh an important uh um feature as well so so the the you know you kind of progress through you know running track and cross country in, in high school and, and then continuing to run uh, for, for fitness and enjoyment and things like that through, through college and beyond, where did, where did the, uh, the ultra bug get its its teeth into you? Yeah. So when I was, I think I was 18, it's either 18 or 19. I think it was 18. I decided that I needed to run a marathon Mm -hmm. and it kind of went about like that half mile of the, you know, the dirt road that I lived on. And so I just said, I have to do this before. I think I'm pretty sure I have to do this before I turned 18. And so, and it, and it also happened to be that I was the guy that I was dating. His dad was a cross country coach for a local university. So he was definitely an influence there. Um, I have a really funny story. I hope it's appropriate. <laughs> when I was training for this marathon, um, this was so many years ago. I'm going to date myself. I am 45. So <laughs> running a marathon at 18 was quite some years ago. And the things that were available to us, like really good sports bras Mm. and chafing things, I just didn't have access to. And I remember coming back from, (laughs) I think it was like a 16 or 17 mile run. And I, my um, boyfriend at the time, he had biked alongside of me. He was really cool about that. He'd carry my water and bike Mm. next to me. And so I was back at his house and his dad, who was like so used to runners all the time, like didn't even bat an eye, looked at me and he's like, Oh, your nipples are bleeding. I can see it through your shirt. (laughs) And you can imagine, you know, like an 18 year old, I was mortified. (laughs) But, um, so anyway, just to say that running long distance was kind of all, like it became a part of me pretty early on. So I ran that marathon and then I ran three others kind of shortly after. And then at 
I don't know, 22 or 23, I got married and then I, you know, got busy with marriage and Mm -hmm. I had kids and just, I didn't quite find the time and, um, you know, trying to negotiate like who's going to watch kids and things like that. The opportunities to train and to run long distances weren't really were not there for me. Mm-hmm. So I um, I dialed back to half marathons, and that kind of I don't know kept the beast right. <laughs> somewhat satisfied, <laughs> though not entirely satisfied. I was always kind of like I wish I could run more, but there's just no time. But I would run half marathons, you know, once or twice a year, and I, I stuck with that until uh, divorce which I, I can't imagine this is a surprising story or a story you've never heard before. <laughs> but uh, when, when separation and divorce became imminent and um, the splitting up of the child duties mm-hmm. gave me more freedom and more time. Like I remember when we were first figuring things out, my um, ex, who's a very wonderful individual, actually asked me, he's like, what, what days do you want? I said, I want Sunday. Mm-hmm. I want Sunday to be my own I don't want to have any responsibilities on Sunday. I don't care how else we split up our days right now. Just give me Sunday. And he said, oh, sure, that's easy. And then all of a sudden, I could go and run as long as I wanted. And the day that we agreed on that, I signed up for a 50K. Mm -hmm. I thought, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to get back into this. And um, that's really where the ultra running started. And, And I had some influences. I had become friends with someone that was a 100 mile runner and I had actually asked him, I said, so what's the shortest distance I can run to get the ultra sticker on the back of the car? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, why don't you try a 50 K? And I'm like, okay, I'll try a 50 (laughs) K. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know if it's interesting is right the way of saying it, but it's, it's, there's so many different avenues just to get into running in general. But then like, like to, to, to start to peel back the layers of like, oh my gosh, like, like there's a world. And it maybe some even sounds ridiculous sometimes to think about it, but like, you know, I, I can think back to like I had no idea that ultra marathons were a thing. Like like, you know, like I guess maybe from from when I got started into running and, and you know, the influences around me, like, you know, I knew about half marathons and road races, half marathons and, and marathons and, and things like that. Um, but then then yeah, like if you get around the right or the wrong people, depending on how you want to classify it, the right right or the wrong people. And you're like, wait a minute, we can go longer and we can be out in the woods the whole time. And like, just, and just, you know, it could be overnight and like, we can still, we can start running today and finish running tomorrow. Like, like, what is this, what is this ridiculousness? And and yeah, then it just becomes, you know, how much time do you have? And so your schedule opens up, you you dive into it. So what was it? What was your first 50 K? Thrill in the Hills, Fort Yargo. Okay. And, and how, like for those that, that aren't super familiar and, and I'll class myself as one of them, I, I don't know anything about that race. Is it, is it crazy mountain hilly? Is it no, really flat? Like no. what, what was the race like? No, it was entirely runnable. Um, Fort Yargo. I mean, there are a few climbs, but I mean, nothing compared to like, you know, fierce dragon where right. or baby dragon where we met there. Um, it's, it, it, I would say that it is definitely a hundred percent runnable and okay. I and I did. I ran the far majority of it. And at the end, um, I mean, I, I did well. I was I was pleased with my time. It was it was better than my 100-mile friend said it would be. And I, I, don't, I don't remember what I placed, but it was something pretty good right. for my first. And I sat down and I cried. Mm. <laughs> I said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> that was way too hard. <laughs> oh, yes. And then dot, 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 here we are. Um, right. Well, so four days later, I signed up for my first 50 miler. <laughs> well, it, did, it didn't take long for that hangover to wear off. No. <laughs> so, but, but going into that, that first 50 K like, like, and maybe it was, it was far enough ago or at least enough miles ago that, that it, it, the memories blur a little bit, but, but what were the expectations? I mean, what, what was that experience of like, of, of, you know, kind of the, I'm assuming maybe the first time at that long of a race, first time of a, maybe a trail race or not, maybe you've done shorter ones before that. I don't know. But like, like that 50 K experience, you know, I mean, cried at the finish line, you, you did well, but like, like what was the thought process going into it and, and through it? If you can remember. Oh, and, and it wasn't that long ago. It was probably three years ago. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I'm pretty new to this mm-hmm. really. Um, I've always run trails. So my first mm-hmm. trail race was probably when I was 16 and it was called the brush mountain breakdown. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it broke me. I mean, I remember that really well. I remember falling and being in the middle of the woods. I think I was 16 at the time. And I looked around and I was like, man, there is nobody here to help me. Mm. <laughs> and I am, I just took a serious tumble. This is pretty wild. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. Mm. Let's go. <laughs> but um, so the trail aspect didn't surprise me. And I, I kind of approached it like I approached my marathons. And maybe that was why I sat down and cried at the end, because let's be real, a 50K trail run, you should really not approach like you're approaching mm-hmm. marathon. Right. And I, I remember I started off the run with an individual that had done a lot of longer runs. And he's like, oh, the last five miles are always a death march. And I thought, no, that's not going to be me, whatever. I mean, we were like, you know, 10 miles in mm-hmm. and I was still feeling really good running like I was running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> And sure enough, the last five miles were a death march. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, um, I, I don't know what my expectation, I guess my expectations were the same as I had with a marathon, you know, mm-hmm. that I'd run really consistent miles. Um, I'd run the whole thing. My, my pace would be, you know, I don't know, like something below 10 minute miles, right. you know, something pretty dumb like that. <laughs> but, um, Looking back on it, I am, I'm really glad that it was my first because it was still a really pretty good experience. Mm -hmm. But I think what it taught me, and I know you didn't exactly ask this, but what it, what it really taught me was that I prefer a run that is not completely runnable. Like I Mm -hmm. like some big climbs. I like to have an excuse to hike. I like to hike. I like to hike a lot. So after that, that's, I started looking for, um, races and adventures that involved, you know, more mountains than that one. Gotcha. And I think that that's something that, that I'm, have been learning over the last few years, but, but certainly I, I feel like that, that's something that a lot of, of folks that, that spend more time on the roads and start to venture into the trails, like it's, it's a bit of a, um, I don't know if it's a rude awakening. That might not be quite the right, the right way of saying it, but it's, it's, it's a learning experience of like, like you said, you know, you expect it to be like your, your, your marathon. You're just going to run the whole thing and be pretty steady. And yeah, there might be a hill or two, like whatever, but that might throw your pace off just for a minute, but no big deal. But you know, you get into trail running and, and you can call it running. And, and I mean, and you do run obviously, but like, like the definition of what running is going to look like can depend a lot from one mile to the next, certainly from one trail to the next one race to the next. And, and yeah, you know, they're talking about runnable sections versus, you know, some spots where running, running just isn't really in the cards. Um, maybe takes a little bit of getting used to when you're first getting into that environment. For sure. For sure. So, so you mentioned that, uh, you know, th- this race goes well, you d- sign up for a 50 mile or not too long after that was, was that more of a, of a hikeable, slash runnable course or was that still another runnable type of route or what was that what was the first 50 miler it was the georgia jewel which okay. um we they just held and i was there volunteering for that and yeah no that one was probably the perfect mix for me either uh, i don't know if you know anything about the georgia jewel but the first well, i don't remember maybe 15 miles are these loops that are extremely runnable so you can make some really good time in the beginning it, it's obviously it's held in september so it can be super hot mm-hmm. and humid so it's, there's some advantage to getting some early miles out of the way quickly before the heat gets intense. So the first part, at least the way they used to run it now with COVID, they do it a little differently. But when I ran it, the first part, the, the loops were extremely runnable. And then you, you take off down the Pinhody trail, which is, is very runnable along the ridgeline, but there are a few mountain climbs. So I, w- I would say it was, it was a perfect mix of hiking and running for me. I, I, loved that race that was an incredible experience for me i um i did better than my a time goal and even though i added a mile and got lost i still beat my a goal and it was it was kind of like a beautiful day in the woods my my then at the time how old was he maybe like 11 year old he was there crewing me um my chiropractor was there crewing me she was wonderful my my great friend uh, rachel who does a lot of trail runs with me. She paced me the last 20 miles. I mean, it was just, and her husband paced me for like seven miles before she did. So it was, it was like a party for me. I mean, it was like this big Celia celebration. There were all these people around helping me. It was, I'm so grateful for it. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. And that's, and that's again, something that, that 
I feel like in, in obviously every race is going to be a little bit different. And certainly, you know, now things are still, still adjusting and finding their, their, the, whatever the new normal is going to look like or return into the old normal or, or whatever, you know, post hopefully getting to be post pandemic and whatnot. But like, um, you know, another difference that I've always noticed between road running and, and trail running is that more pr- party environment. And I know some, t- some road races are a pretty good party, but, um, I feel like, like at a trail race, especially an ultra race, like, yeah, you know, you have people run with you, like, like, you, like people that aren't even in the race, like there's, you know, the pacers, the crew, like, you know, you, you stop at the aid station and there's, there's stuff going on. And, um, just that, that environment is so much more relaxed and, and, uh, just again, just something that, that you don't necessarily understand what it is like until you've done it a few times. And you're like, Oh, this is what, this is what people talk about when they talk about the, the trail running, ultra running community versus the road running community. Not that one is necessarily better, but they're definitely different. Oh, I can't agree more. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, I love the ultra running community and I, I find that even more as I volunteer and that's kind of the, where I'm at right now, because when we get to it, you know, this AT run venture project is, is pretty intense. And mm-hmm. so I don't have it in me right now to do a lot of racing or any racing. Right. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's a party in the woods where there's buffet. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how can it get any better? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk volunteering for a minute because I, I think that's something that, um, I, I don't want to say that, that, uh, I intentionally don't talk about as much as I could and maybe should, but, but the fact of the matter is that whatever race you're running, whether it's, it's epic ultra mountain trail running races, whether it's, you know, epic big city, Boston, New York, Chicago road races, uh, whether it's a local, you know, church fundraiser, 5k, like, like there's no races that are out there that, that can happen without volunteers. And, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times volunteering at, 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 uh, you know, just recently at, at uh, the, the Georgia uh, Jewel race. And, and obviously that's where we met was you volunteering at uh, the Baby Dragon. So um, I guess, I guess, and I guess where I'm talking about, not talking about as much as I should is like, I don't volunteer. Like I do, I volunteer once in a while, but like, it's not something that's a regular part of my routine. It probably should be um, with volunteering and giving back to the running community. But, but what, what kind of pulls you or, or motivates you or encourages you to, to take part in races that way through, through the volunteer route? Um, that is a great question. I think I just enjoy being around. I just enjoy being around you crazies. And I include myself in that. You're one of us. You're one of us. Yeah, I am a crazy. I just enjoy being around us (laughs) so much. And like I hinted before, I, I, I can't, I can't race right now. And so to get my fix, (laughs) I guess you could say I've found that volunteering and and the more that I do it, I'm kind of like, wow, in some ways this is even better than actually racing. And then another aspect of it, I, so as you probably remember with Baby Dragon, I brought my two boys mm-hmm. with me. And I, I want them to experience the joy of putting someone back together and getting them back on track and helping someone else you know, meet their goals and volunteering and whether they choose to do that through ultra running or some other Avenue, of course that's up to them, but I want, I want them to get a little taste of it when they're young. And I will say they loved the experience at baby dragon. And when we came home the next day, the first thing they said was mom, can we do that again next year? So that's been a real victory for me to be able to share that with them through the volunteering. Yeah. And, and I can only, uh, well, I mean, I can only imagine it from the parents perspective and, and, you know, kind of encouraging that and seeing the, the excitement in the kids, but from the, the perspective of volunteering at a race like that, that, you know, for, for us that, you know, for, for Anna and I, she was running a hundred miles like she's out there for, for a long time. Um, you know, I, I can only imagine just like, like, I don't want to say the carnage, but the carnage that you see from, from runners that are, that have been out there, whether it's a, it's a gnarly trail like that, or whether it's a, a more runnable trail or, or it doesn't matter. You're out there for 50 miles, 80 miles, a hundred miles beyond that. Um, man, that's, that's obviously it's a, it's a physical toll that it takes. And, and, and yeah, you're kind of the, the angel angel with the, the potato chips and the hot soup and the, the whatever else that you might need. Um, you know, what, what, like, I don't know if I have a better question other than like, you know, what, what are some of the things that you've seen? runners wise from, you know, that it's just, it's probably going to make sense to everybody listening, but, but you know, that, that you just, that perspective on race day that you don't get when you are the runner that's out there pushing, pushing through. Oh my gosh. I mean, from a purely selfish standpoint, 
like just like you described, you know, you you help put someone back together. I mean, there were people that came into Baby Dragon that were shaking uncontrollably and, you know, put a towel around them, feed them some electrolytes, maybe some hot soup or whatever. And if you can turn them around and get them to finish, man, does that feel good. I mean, it feels really I mean, I can't say that I volunteer you know, for other people, I think I'm doing it more for myself, (laughs) to be completely honest. I mean, that feeling of knowing that you've helped somebody at that level. But yeah, I mean, we, we saw some, a few scary things, you know, some people that I was like, well, I don't know how to get you to stop shaking, especially at Baby Dragon, to just some super happy people that, I mean, you know, one runner, I'll know this is the funniest thing, Bjorn, my 10 year old now, my younger son at the time asked one runner, what can I get you? And Bjorn has like this beautiful hair. It's a, it's a mullet. So, you know, (laughs) business in the front party in the back and it's gorgeous. And the runner who was slightly balding said, well, maybe you can give me some of your hair. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, we, we've seen it all, but I think what we usually see is people are just so appreciative that you're that you're there and they're, they're just looking to you to give them a little boost and it it doesn't take much. I mean, ultra runners are ready for a boost. You know, the requirements are pretty low, you know, a smile and a potato chip go a long way. (laughs) That's that's true. That's true. And I, I'm just sitting here kind of thinking to myself of like, you know, when I, when I run a half marathon or even, even a road marathon or something, you know, something like, you know, where and, and maybe it depends on the, the location too, right? Where like the aid station at mile six of a marathon, like you're appreciative. Thank you for the water. Thank you for the Gatorade, whatever. Thanks for cheering us along. Appreciate it. But the aid station, or, or I guess, you know, here I am talking, talking ultra, right? the, the water stop on the road marathon at mile 24, that's a whole different level of like, oh, thank God y'all are out here. Really appreciate right. you. <laughs> and, and again, you talk about aid stations, like the aid station at mile 20 on a hundred miler, like you appreciate them. Thank you. You get some stuff and you need it. But when you're at mile 92 at three or 30 in the morning, like that's a whole, that, that is the literal, like that's the definition of, of the angels out there just taking care of you and, and, and needing a lot more. And, and you know, you, you guys that were there, but obviously anybody else who volunteers at, at races around the country, around the world, or, or even at other, at the other aid stations that were at baby dragon, it's just like, like it's such a important role that, that maybe you don't realize how, how much it, how much y'all give until you're the one on the receiving end. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is just ridiculous that, that people are out here right now, manning things at three 30 in the morning. We're the last people out here and you treated us like we were gold. So it's just, I mean, the volunteers just, you know, hat tip to everybody that volunteers. It's, it's For sure. so For necessary. Sure. So necessary. So flip, flipping the, uh, the page a little bit, let's talk about what you're, you're in the middle of. Like we said, you hinted at it from the intro. You mentioned it a couple times through here, um, but not really doing a lot of racing right now because you're, you're kind of occupied, doing uh, some other challenges on a pretty pretty regular basis. So tell us about the uh, the AT Run Venture Project. Yes. Yeah, so my good friend Meg Landymore, she and I, um, we had a really amazing adventure together. She FKT'd SCAR, which stands for Smoky Mountain Challenge Adventure Run, and it's the 72-mile section of the AT in the Smoky Mountains, and she double-scarred it. So she went out and back, mm-hmm. and I – safety ran, paster, whatever, the way back. So she and I did the second half, the 72 miles together. And it was, I describe it as like one of the best days of my life. It was just so fun. I mean, it wasn't easy, of course, but, and that was my first experience after the 50 miler. Like I don't really have a very deep resume in the ultra world. So that was my probably third (laughs) ultra experience. And that was 72 miles on the AT in the Smoky Mountains. And she got the, you know, the double FKT for women. And afterwards we're like, well, what's next? What do we do next? That was so fun. I mean, we love that. And around and around, we eventually decided that we just needed to do the entire Appalachian Trail, all approximately 2,200 miles of it. And we were going to start with the approach and we were going to stop at Katahdin. And we knew we couldn't get on the trail and just do it like a through hiker would do it because you know, we have, we both have two boys. She runs a business. I'm a statistician. I, you know, work. And so between our work obligations, our family obligations, our friend obligations, you know, everything, we just weren't able to be through hikers, Mm -hmm. but we also have this ultra running side to us. And so we decided that we were going to quote unquote run 
power hike, trek, however you want to describe it, but move fast (laughs) through the AT in long extended weekend sections. So we go out, oh, it's varied from, we've put nine days between going out on the AT and up to a month, but on average, it's been about every three to four weeks. We go out on the AT and we cover generally speaking, between 150 and 170 miles in three to four days. So we, I mean, I think our average is probably somewhere around 42 miles a day, but it varies anywhere from 30 to, we've had some 50 mile days um, on the AT. And we did one short little um, section that was only 70 miles. So, I mean, these are just generally speaking, but we just finished uh, 170 five mile section and I, I calculated the hours because that I don't know for whatever reason that means something to me. So we did it in 99 hours, wow. <laughs> whatever that means. But it was through Pennsylvania. We are at mile 1260 northbound. So we have a little ways to go. But um, it's been it's been an amazing adventure. It's it's relentless in the sense that it, it never ends. You know, a lot of people you do your 100 miler you stop, you rest, you don't think about racing again for, I don't know, at least six weeks. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Everybody's different. Maybe some people do hundred miles every week. I don't know. (laughs) But for us, the planning is so intense. The logistics are so intense. You know, I live in Athens, Georgia, and we're now in Pennsylvania, right? Mm -hmm. She lives in Maryland. So we get off the trail and like the next day we already start talking about, okay, how I got to buy an airplane ticket and I have to figure out, you know, where we're going to start, where we're going to, well, we always know where we're going to start because mm-hmm. we always start where we stop, but where are we going to stop? How many miles are we going to do each day? Are we going to sleep on the trail? Are we going to sleep in hostels? Who's going to meet us to supply us? And, and that's another piece of it. We stay very light. We like to keep our packs below 10 pounds. We've done heavier but Mm -hmm. if we're putting down the kind of miles you know 40 plus miles a day we really need to keep our packs light so to do that and with all the food that you have to carry to go 40 miles day in and day Mm -hmm. out (laughs) we have to have restocks so we mail restocks to hostels or we have friends meet us on the trail so there's like a lot of planning involved with it and then of course you know there's a lot on our bodies right doing this like every three weeks to every month that's our that's our big adventure and we have one more in october that will put us i think somewhere in new york yeah definitely somewhere in new york and then we're going to break for the winter because mm-hmm. neither one of us really like the cold and it, it gets <laughs> so cold and snowy up there and so we're, we're going to break and then we'll pick back up next year and hope to make it all the way to katahdin gotcha i mean you know like what a cool adventure what a cool undertaking to to you know to set out on and and making obviously making really good progress um and 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 like you said the logistics just have to be like like i'm sure you've barely just scratched the surface on all the logistical nonsense that goes along with it and and even now it's like my head's spinning just thinking about all the moving parts that you just mentioned but um i feel like for me you know my my personality my my uh the way my brain works is this would be the kind of thing that i'd be like yeah, like that sounds cool. And then, you know, never really like actually do it. Um, so, so when you and Meg were like kind of batting around this idea after, after her FKT situation, like, was it something that, that like, as soon as y'all started talking about it, like, yes, we are definitely doing this. Or like, like I said, if it was me, it'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. But then like, yeah, like there's too many logistics in life and trying to make it all work. Like, like, I don't know, like, like how long did it take from, from, I guess the question is then how long did it take from idea floating out there to like, all right, we, you know, starting the the adventure and and making it happen. So this is one thing that Meg and I share that really make this possible. We are planners. Mm. And when we say we're going to do something, we do it. (laughs) And we may at one point be like, whoa, I don't know if that was a good idea, but you know, we're in. (laughs) So we, she, we did the double or she did the double and I did the single, um, Smoky Mountain, trek or whatever, um, run in October. And we started out in Georgia on the approach trail in March. So there was not that many months between and training, planning, getting it all together. And she and I both 
we just jump in. We say, we're going to do it. We'll figure it out. We just jump in. And things aren't always 100% perfectly planned, but they just kind of seem to work out. And so I, um, once once we decided we were going to do it, I never looked back. I never thought, nah, I can't do this. No, now that's not to say in the middle of it, I haven't thought, okay, <laughs> had I really known <laughs> what this was going to entail, I would have thought a little bit more closely. I often joke, Meg, and I said, oh, this just shows my inexperience that I agreed to do this. <laughs> But now that I'm in, I'm not going to stop. Right, right. <laughs> but this is killing me. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the, that'd be the worst. I don't know, maybe not the worst, but hy- hyperbolically, that would be the worst to be like, you know, get to 1,600, 1,800 miles and be like, ah, eh, you know what? I think I've had enough. Like, like you're only 400 miles or so, give or take, from from the finish line. A couple more treks, or you know, a couple three more more uh, weekend adventures. Like, yeah, you, you can't stop now. Like, you, you're you're close enough. You got to just keep grinding grinding it out. Well, we're kind of already almost at that point. I mean, at 1260, mm-hmm. we're, and we're going to be somewhere in the 1400s after October. And I've already got my airplane ticket purchased. So, you know, yeah. there's no looking back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned, you know, in, in talking about it the first time or kind of some of the logistics and, and carrying a light pack, which, which, you know, cer- certainly makes sense. Like there's no reason to carry more than, than you, you need to in those types of situations and, and, you know, having to refuel and some of the logistics, but, but where I'm going with this is, you know, the lighter the load that you're carrying, the little, you know, slightly less force on the body, a little bit easier, hopefully a little less uh, likely that you might have some, some wear and tear breakdowns, things like that physically. How, how do you kind of main, like, like what's the, 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 I don't know, the training, the cross training, like, like how do you prepare your body for this type of, of thing and then, and maintain the health so that you're able to do the turnarounds, whether it's a couple few weeks, whether it's a month, whatever. I mean, like, you know, with, with being planners and, and with, with, and I saw this, the schedule of kind of the breakdown of what the plan is on, on, I think it was on Meg's website, but like, like, you know, I mean, if something happened and you missed a leg, like you, you shuffle the deck and make it work, but like to try to stay healthy for this and, and keep it going, you know, like, like what, what is the method that you're using or, or kind of how are you, you maintaining your health and fitness throughout this, this journey where it would be easy to get physically worn down and not able to keep going at some point. Yeah. So I actually had early on, I struggled. I had, um, calf issues and I I had some Achilles issues. Like I, I came out of most segments with some little issue going on and, um, I did acupuncture. I see a chiropractor twice a month. I have a, a functional movement friend that has helped me out a lot. And then, so all those pieces helped a lot to keep my body healthy. But I think honestly, the the biggest reason why this is working is that it's like this balance when we're on the AT and I I don't want to speak for Meg, but I'm, but I'm probably pretty sure she feels this way. It definitely feels this way for me. It's like as hard as you can go, as gentle as you can go. Mm. So we have to, we have to make miles, you know, if we have a 48 mile day in front of us, we keep that in mind. And so that dictates our speed a little bit, but also we have to also keep in mind that maybe that's day one and we have three more days ahead of us. So we can't go all out and hiking is so much more gentle on your body than running. And I think that's a huge reason why I've been at least able to manage this. I do a lot of hiking. I really do. I say I power hike the mountains and I fall down at a slightly faster <laughs> pace than the mountains. <laughs> so given that I'm not out pounding roads, mm-hmm. I'm not even necessarily running that much if it were like a completely runnable trail. And, and let's be real, the AT was not designed to be run. Right. I mean, there are rocks, roots, mountains, <laughs> streams. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is gnarly. Um, so given that it's, it is quite a bit of hiking, I think that has kept my body a little bit healthier. And then when I come home off the AT, I do a lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do a whole lot of nothing. A lot of, I mean, eventually I do a little bit of running, but like the first week I might walk a little bit. It's, there's a lot of recovery time this past week. I've been in the pool, pool mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. because through Pennsylvania, the rocks were so intense. The bottom of my feet, they were so tender. I didn't even want to stand on them. And anyone like getting close to them, I was like, mm-hmm. step away. <laughs> <laughs> they hurt so bad. <laughs> so I am, um, yeah, I've been in the pool doing a lot of pool running this week and that's, that's helped a lot. So I, I, I guess 
in summary, just the, the fact that hiking is more gentle mm-hmm. than running and then big focus on recovery. Now you'd asked about training leading up to it. And Meg and I were both like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, who else has done this? Like, how do you prepare to do essentially 150 mile quote unquote race once a month? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no idea. I, um, I just got out on the trail as much as I could. I did the Georgia section of the AT with friends before I actually even started. So I've seen the Georgia section twice now, and that was what I did in training. So just as much time as I could on the AT, on the trails, hiking, running when I could. We did back to back to back. So three long runs in a row. Mm -hmm. That was our bread and butter for getting ready the best that we could. And a long run at that time would have been like 20, 25 miles one day, again, 20, 25 miles the next day. And then the third day, somewhere between 10 and 15 miles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you... I'm assuming you probably have, but I'm still going to ask the question. Have you noticed your, your body getting stronger and more resilient as, as you've progressed along the trail? Yes and no. So the time on my feet aspect, definitely. I, my feet don't hurt as much. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we log anywhere from 12 to 16 hour days. So time on feet for sure. And yeah, I think, I think I am definitely getting stronger. It's hard to say because the the terrain changes so much. You know, we just finished Pennsylvania, which was really flat for the most part. So we didn't have any memorable climbs, Mm -hmm. but the rocks were so intense. My feet actually did hurt again. And so to compare that to like the Georgia section or even the Smoky Mountains, which are full of climbs, it's really hard to say, am I getting stronger or there are just not as many climbs? Like what's going on? But I am. Um, I, I think yes, but then it's also combated with fatigue. Like mm-hmm. I definitely have some fatigue and some burnout right now, and so that's that's turned me a little more into a hiker. So whereas in the beginning I had a lot of fire mm-hmm. and I wanted to run as much as I possibly could, until you know whatever my calf would hurt or my Achilles would hurt or whatever would you know derail me and have me start walking or hiking. Now I kind of go into it like hmm. So if I just average three miles an hour, I'll finish in 15 hours today. That's okay. <laughs> right. I'm cool with that. <laughs> so I've, I've chilled out a lot on the trail. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm somewhat curious and, and I guess I'll have to stay tuned because there's no way to answer the question right now, but like how, how you're going to feel, how, how your body is going to respond, you know, when you have that layoff between the next segment in October and then not picking up again until the, the snow starts to melt somewhere in, in March, April, something like that. Um, you know, having that, having that break, I feel like could be a blessing and, and it could be a curse. And, and again, I mean, there's no way to know until, until we get there, but ha- have you and Meg thought about that at all? Or are we not worried that far in advance just yet? Well, so she and I both have winter races on our schedule to kind of keep us fine tuned. I'm planning to do Fierce Dragon in January, the 200-miler. You're bananas. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm totally bananas. And she's planning to do a 48-hour, um, I guess, like backyard-style mm. you know, loop um, continuous race in December. So we will finish in October. We'll have our break and recovery time. And then we both have you know, dead of winter races. And then we'll have a little more break before we start again. So, I mean, we have talked a little bit about the loss of fitness and how we are going to manage that. And neither one of us really want to put in the training that we did leading up to it this past March over the winter mm. on just whatever trails, because we feel like it's kind of a loss of trail time. So we're tossing around the idea that we haven't really committed to um, starting a little bit earlier than we probably should. So maybe contending with some snow and trying to do some shorter days on the AT up north, you know, Connecticut, wherever we are, as training for when we get to longer days. So starting off with, you know, 30-ish mile days instead of jumping right into 40, 42, 43 mile days. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's, you know, again, it's one of those where there's no there's no necessarily right answer. It's just kind of figuring out what, what works best for y'all and, and um, yeah, coming through these, these races, this, the, I, I was going to let it go, but since you brought it up the 200 miles on, on the, the fierce dragon route, which is for those that are paying attention at home, it's the, the double of what 
what Anna did, who was on the on the show not too long ago, and I was up there pacing with her. Just this gnarly, uh, you know, forty eight hours of running is what it took her. Um, what what are what are your thoughts, ambitions, goals? Do you, if you have any yet for for the two hundred mile uh, event, that's uh, that. Oof, I mean, I guess there'd be a point where I'd consider doing something like that, but I, I can't imagine what it would take to get me to sign up for that nonsense. You know, I've never run a hundred mile race. <laughs> so why not go with a 200? I mean, it makes sense. I feel like I'm more trained for a 200 than a hundred. Cause you know, in a 200 mile race, you get to sleep. It's mm, true. <laughs> and you, there's no expectation that you're going to go fast. You're just going to finish the doggone thing. Um, I, I always like to have multiple goals. Like I have my A, B and C mm-hmm. goal. Okay. So, you know, like, the, the bare goal is to have fun, right? right? And then, or fun, you know, quote unquote fun, you know, to have a fulfilling experience, perhaps I should say. Um, the next goal is to finish. And I, I don't know that I want to actually honestly put out there what my A goal is. Um, I'm, I'm yep. still holding that a little close mm-hmm. to my chest because I don't know if it's really feasible or not. So I'll just, I'll just leave it as a little bit of a cliffhanger and say that, um, something better than finishing is what I'm hoping for. But I, um, I, I think a 200 mile race, especially where I'm coming from might be easier than a hundred mile race. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty well adapted and trained to the idea of doing it's 40 mile loops, as you know, Mm -hmm. and doing something around 40 miles, resting for two to three hours, getting back up, doing 40 miles, resting again for two, three hours, getting back up. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, I mean, when we're on the AT, we, we often rest more, of course, mm-hmm. than two to three hours, kind of depending on where we are. Like if we sleep in a hostel, we're going to, we're going to gonna rest longer, yeah. but we've literally slept on the trail without a tent, just laid out our bodies on mm-hmm. the dirt. I mean, I, I use a pad, Mad, Meg doesn't, but you know, when we're on the trail sleeping under the stars, we're not sleeping very long because right. <laughs> it's not exactly comfortable. So, you know, three hours later, we're back up and we've got another 40 miles and I'm, it's amazing what that two to three hours of rest will do for your body and able it to continue and continue at a decent pace. And when I think about a hundred mile race, you don't usually sleep. Right. I mean, you can, and that scares me. So as crazy as it sounds, I, I feel more comfortable with the idea of a 200 mile race, and especially something like Fierce Dragon where, I mean, let's be real. That's a hiker. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'm going to try and run down some of the climbs just because it might be easier than hiking down them. Cause right. I know they're steep, but I mean, nobody's running up those mountains. <laughs> no, no, that's, that was, that was a thing for, for me being a, as a pacer, it was like, it was, it was just, it just quote unquote, just, but it was, it, it's, it's, it, it was a hard hike. I couldn't imagine like not, you know, it, it's not a runner for sure. No, no. Yeah. I think it's going to marry pretty well with what I've been doing on yeah. the AT. Yeah. Well that's, and it, you know, I don't know. It's not really cross training, but great cross training for the, the the finish line of the uh, the AT Run Venture project. And and one more thing about about that that uh, I don't want to gloss over before, we, or I don't want to skip over completely before we start wrapping things up. But uh, it's not just a, a, a personal project for you and Meg, and just something to do for fun. You you've got a little uh, uh, I don't know fundraising component, doing some doing some greater good situations. So tell us about Souls for Souls and and kind of where that piece of the puzzle came into 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 view. Yeah. So, you know, we were putting a lot of energy and um, resources into this. And we, like you said, we wanted it to be more than just for us. Um, and then as a side mode, you know, as, as, as role models for our kids, you know, that was definitely a piece of it as well. But um, so we thought a lot about charities and we tossed around a couple of ideas and um, two separate friends mentioned Souls for Souls independently. And so we're like, oh, well, maybe we should check them out. And there, it definitely has kind of a nice tie in. They take their thing is to provide shoes for people. So in the U.S., um, they provide new shoes for children in poverty that otherwise wouldn't have access to brand new shoes. So they do that. And then in developing countries, they take donated shoes from the U.S. And it's mostly running shoes because those are probably they get the the best dollar, if you will. They take your old running shoes and um, bring them to developing countries and they refurbish them, if you will, you know, clean them up, make them look pretty nice. And they're um, given to women who otherwise wouldn't have economic opportunities and they sell them and that provides jobs and, um, you know, stability for them 
in situations where they wouldn't otherwise have them. So, you know, if you can imagine you have running stores, like for example, I work with Athens running company and they give me all the shoes that are donated when someone buys a new pair of shoes. So what do you do with the shoes? I mean, you can put them in the landfill, which doesn't feel very great, or you can move them along and souls for souls handles that. And, um, of course does a nice full circle with providing, uh, like I said, economic opportunities for um, women in developing countries. Gotcha. That's, that's awesome. And, and for people that are maybe hearing about this organization for the first time, um, take money, but, but if you want to give shoes, like, again, I mean, like, like probably like most runners, I've got a closet full of shoes that, yes. you know, that, that probably a half of them, probably more than half of them still have a pretty decent chunk of life in them that just, mm-hmm. you know, they've been, they've been falling out of the rotation and I, not something I wear very often, if, if ever, if, if some of them be almost embarrassed to say, probably haven't worn some of these, these running shoes in two or three years. And so like, if I haven't worn them yet. I'm probably not going to wear them at this point, you know, minus the couple hundred miles that they have on them or whatever. Um, I mean, obviously it's going to depend location to location, but are there, are there generally places you can take shoes to donate running shoes, things like that? Yes, yes, yes. And on their website, they have um, drop locations and a, a detailed explanation of how to do that. If you're close to Athens, Georgia, you can drop them on my porch. I have a basement that's <laughs> starting to fill up. So I have plans to, <laughs> and like I said, you know, and I pick up shoes from the local running store. So yes, definitely there are options. And I actually did some miles with um, the CEO of Souls for Souls. He came out and did some miles with us on the AT, and he gave us a, a detailed explanation of how things work. And the one thing that really stuck in my mind that I'm still to this day flabbergasted about, when they resell your running shoes that you talk about, you know, that you haven't used for, you know, two years, they can offer, often get upwards of 10 to $15 per shoe. Wow. And if you can just think about the buying power of 10 to $15 in a developing country, it's amazing. And then stop and think, do you think you could sell that shoe in the U S for 10 to $15? Probably not. So it's, it's really pretty amazing what they've put together and what they're doing. I was really impressed when I heard that. That's, that's awesome. And, and, you know, and, and again, you know, talk about, uh, uh, like, just something where you're, you're going to feel good because you're helping out a great organization. You're helping folks that, that it really does make a difference for, for having these shoes, being able to sell them, clean them up and, and, and move them out. And, and, you know, come, almost like you're volunteering, you know, like, like you're getting a good thing out of the volunteering, but like you're getting a good thing out of like clearing out some stuff from your house that you're not using anymore. Like, like a little bit less stuff, a little bit, you know, a few pairs of less shoes, but they're not just going to the landfill. They're actually going somewhere useful. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of a win, win, win all the way around as far as I can tell. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we'll of course make sure to have links in the show notes for for what you, what you and Meg are doing with the AT Run Venture Project. We'll also make sure we got some links for Souls for Souls as well, so people want to figure out where they can give their shoes away, or maybe you know cut a few cut a check for a few bucks to to help support the cause as well. Different ways to do that. I know you guys are uh, have a fundraising goal as well, right? With with we, what you're doing. Yep. 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 We do. We do. And um. We have, we have a bit of a waste from our goal. So maybe our goal was like, you know, most ultra runners ambitious, <laughs> but yes, we, yeah. Donations of all kinds are great. Well, yeah. And if so, yeah, so again, guys, if you're thinking about maybe, maybe making a little donation, make it through, uh, the, the AT run venture project website, which again, we'll have that link in the show notes. So still going to the right place, but or to that place, at least, you know, where, where maybe you'd be thinking about with souls for souls, but you're helping them helping, uh, Celia and Meg reach their goal as well. So, uh, Celia, as we're as we're getting to the point of wrapping up, one one final question, and we'll get you out of here for the day. I, I like to kind of close with with something similar to the introductory question. I call it a philosophical question, but it's just very open ended. You can take it whichever way you want to go with it. But, um, you know, you, like you said, you've been running for for a while. Started started young and still going strong. Um, I, I'm I'm curious that there. there I'm assuming there's got to be probably multiple things, and maybe maybe we could have just started with this question. It could have been the whole podcast, but we'll save you know one or two highlights for the end. Um, what what are some things that maybe you've learned through running? Maybe that running has taught you um, about other areas of life that that you know no way of ever knowing. But maybe you would have never learned if you hadn't you know started running up that hill at at 13 years old. Um, you know back in the day. Oh my goodness! What has running taught me? Um, you know. I, I think the biggest thing that running, I don't know if it has taught me or given me might be a better way to, to phrase it is, uh, self-confidence mm. really. Um, when I, when we first started this AT run venture, we were interviewed by another individual and he asked what I wanted to get 
out of it. And I just said, well, I want to, I want to love myself more. And I have to say that is, and, and I think it would be true with any, anything that you do with passion, whether it be running, mountain biking, throwing pottery, writing, whatever, when you have a passion at something and you, you, you keep at it and you see your improvements and you, you can see things that you've accomplished and know that, okay, that was a really tough thing to get through. And I got through it. I'm so incredibly proud of myself that I was able to do that. So I think the biggest thing that running has taught me or given me is how to love myself or have that self-confidence that I can do, I can do hard stuff. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I I love that. And, uh, once again, guys, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes to, to check out the run venture project, to check out souls for souls and, uh, to connect with Celia on, on Instagram at Eichel Dinger Celia. Uh, and I'm not going to spell it all out again. You, you you got me to go through that once. That, that's that once is enough. You can you can check out the you show notes. You got an eight plus on that test. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're not going to we're not going to tempt fate to to maybe bring bring the average grade down by trying to do it a second time. Uh, and also to follow the the run project with with her and Meg's adventure at AT Run Venture Project. Once again, disruns.com slash nine eight four is a link back to the show notes for today. Photos, links, the whole nine as per usual. Disruns.com slash nine eight four. So, Celia, thanks for uh, for taking the time today. Thank, thanks for taking the time in the middle of the night, uh, whatever it was in, in August when we when we first met. Uh, but thanks for for agreeing to sit down. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming sit down. I'm standing up, so maybe I shouldn't assume sitting down. But but to record a little chat today uh, is it was great to get to, to know you a bit more and to hear about some of the adventures that you've got planned and, and ongoing and certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. All right. Thank you. And the same to you. I hope to see you um, at another aid station soon. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Celia and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your uh, takeaway du jour, du jour? Uh, for me, it was. It, there were several things actually, but uh, the one I'm going to go with was was from relatively early in the conversation when Silly was talking about kind of the the ebb and flow of running, of you know running certain, you know running her first marathon, and then you know life getting a little bit crazy, having having kids, backing off, running shorter, and uh, I, I feel like this is probably a takeaway I've mentioned before. It's it's not an uncommon theme, but I think it's something that I personally, I often need the reminder of, and that's why it, it seems to stand out to me every time, is just that that it's okay for running to ebb and flow in your life over the years, right? Whether it's a family situation, whether it's a work situation, wh- wh- whatever it is, different things pop up in our lives where, you know, running may still, for, for a lot of us, will still be a part of life. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to abandon running completely, but maybe we don't have time to train for marathons or ultras or, or even a half marathon. Maybe all we have time for is to just go out and get a couple sanity miles a couple times a week. That's okay. That's okay. And, and again, like, like I say this, like I'm preaching to you, but I, I promise you, I'm preaching to me that, that I need to be better at remembering that it, that. Sure, maybe I, I always want to do more. Or I always want to run marathons and the longer distance stuff. But who knows what what you know next year, next month, next week will bring. And if at any point along the way, the right choice for me beyond just my running is to pull back a little bit, that's okay. Because as as you know, as Celia's story continues, obviously then she she gets a little bit crazier and gets back on you know things settle down the different change of of the situation with her kids and and you know divorce and all that kind of good stuff if you remember and then and then she's able to run longer she starts signing up for longer races and and she's doing this this Appalachian Trail situation and like like you know just the the reminder that the ebb and flow of running is okay you know and 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 if it's at a point in your life where where running isn't as as big of a thing that you can do right now doesn't mean you can't come back. Doesn't mean you can't get your fitness back. Doesn't mean you can't stretch your legs out again. Um, so again, just a reminder for myself, maybe a reminder for you as well, that uh, a, a natural ebb and flow to to running is quite all right. Is quite all right. So. 
That's my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know. I'm at Dizruns on Twitter. I'm at Dizruns on Instagram as well. You can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today. We got a couple of photos, certainly got some links. And uh, there's also that comment section down at the bottom of the show notes, just like there is for every episode. You can leave your thoughts and feedbacks and comments there. And today, that link, once again, is Dizruns.com slash 984. While you're over there, or if you just want to head over to the website to check out the coaching information, disruns.com slash coaching is the link. Um, and that's the, the coaching page recently updated, so you can check that out. The, the pages for each of the individual levels of coaching still needs a little bit of work. We're still, we're still working on updating those things. Uh, we'll be getting, getting that stuff taken care of soon. Um, the information that's on the page is still, still pretty good. A few things need to be tweaked. Um, but check out the information on, at the Coterie, at the one-to-one, at the soon-to-be-released page for the concierge coaching. And uh, if there's anything that you have questions about, let me know. And if you're ready to get started, hey, we can make that happen as well. But again, it all starts at disruns.com slash coaching. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up officially. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, hit that share button. And until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.